Hello, welcome to the show. This is Minister Ginger London. I want to thank you so much for uh, listening in on tonight. And tonight we're talking about letting go and moving on, how to let go of your past and move on into the very great things that God has for your life. And so, again, I want to welcome you, and I want to let you... If you're in the chat room and you can hear me, would you let me send me a text and let me know that everything is okay? It sounds like it's a little delayed or something. Is it delayed? Okay, you hear me? Can somebody in the chat room let me know that you can hear and that it's coming across? It sounds like it's delayed. Okay, is it okay? Is there are we having some technical difficulties? Okay, it it is delayed. Okay, I'm going to go on. Anyway, again, welcome to the show. This is uh, a five-part series on uh, letting go and moving on, and we're going to be talking about how to get past your past and move into the very th- the life that God wants you to have. And so um, on tonight, we're talking about uh, loose me, speaking to the mountains of your emotions. But again, this is a five-part series, and um, you may hear me. If if it is delayed, you're going to see it come across a little slower, and this is unusual. So in this series, um, tonight is part one, and tomorrow night is part two, and we're going to be talking about baggage claim, how to collect, collecting your personal belongings. Um, Okay, it seems that it seems like there's some type of technical uh, difficulty here, and so we're just going to keep going. Uh, somebody sent me a text. Yes, I am here. Um, I don't know why it's delayed, but part three on Wednesday night is going to be on uh, on purpose of letting go. Part four on uh, Thursday is the process of letting go, and part five is uh, letting go with the word of God.
Okay, how's it coming now? Kizzy, if you can text me. I know she's texting me, letting me know if it's still delayed or what is it sounding like. But So let's go ahead and get started. Tonight, talking about um, uh, loose me, speaking to the mountains of your past. At times when you've gone through like some bad relationship cycles, you, you have allowed the hurts and pains to pile up. Uh, and so they go from being a, a molehill into a mountain because we don't deal with the pain as it goes on. Okay. Okay, so they go from All right. I still hear the delay and it's kinda of throwing me a little bit here. So are you hearing me uh without the delay, Kizzy, or with the delay? That's what I need to know. Give me bear with me please. I don't know what's going on. Okay, she says on the phone she can uh, hear me fine. Um, how about those of you who are in the chat room that's on uh, the Internet? Um, is it delayed for you or am I coming across okay? Uh, that's all right. Because in my ear, in my headset, it's delayed. And so maybe it's just me in these headsets. Maybe I need to do something else with this uh, microphone set. Okay, she says another story online. Okay, let me see if I can take this set out and uh, try something else. Can you can you hear me now? It's still delayed. Okay.
Hello, everyone. This is Ginger London. I am now live on the phone. Uh, so if you are in the uh, chat room, please, somebody in the chat room, let me know that you can actually hear me uh, live on the phone. I'm on. Is it clear now? Rose of Sharon, is it clear? Can you hear me now? Is it clear? Is it so I can keep going? I am now live on the phone. Is it clear? Okay, all right. Thanks. Well, we'll just go this way. Okay, so I started off by saying thank you so much for your patience with the technical difficulty. Um, tonight we're talking about loose me, and we're talking about speaking to the mountain of your past. At times when we've gone through some bad relationship cycles, we allow the hurts and pains uh, to pile up, and they go from being a molehill to a mountain because we let them linger too long, mounting up and becoming heavy in our spirits, weighing us down from freely loving and living. And so we're going to learn tonight how to speak to the mountain of pains, commanding it to loose us and to let us go. And so the passage of Scripture that I'm going to be teaching you from is found in John uh, chapter 11. And um, it's where Jesus is calling Lazarus from the dead, and we're going to make it symbolic of uh, Lazarus for us is going to be our past and, you know, how we're actually going to speak to it and cause it to re- uh, the life in us, the love in us, the, uh, the self-confidence in us to become alive again so that we can move forward in what God has actually called us to. And so if you don't mind, uh, we're going to be coming from Chapter 11, and we're going to start um, uh, with the verse, uh, and I'm just going to, instead of reading it, we're just going to start at verse 38, and I'm going to walk through the scriptures. So we're going to be doing verses 38 to 44, and I'm just going to uh, make it relevant to what we're talking about on tonight. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, Then Jesus, again groaning himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And so I want to talk about what that means for you as it relates to your past. You know, a lot of times in our past what we have done is, because there's been so much and so much hurt, uh, we've allowed ourselves to actually go into a cave, if you will, and we've positioned ourselves in, in a place where where we think that we can no longer uh, be hurt, uh, we can no longer feel any pain, we become numb, we don't want anybody to love us, we don't love again. You know, and some of this comes from personal relationships like romantic relationships. Maybe you were married once and end up going through a divorce, or maybe you're in a marriage and it's not going as well. Also, it comes from friendships. We can actually be hurt and be betrayed in just friendships and all. Then it actually can come from family situations. There are some family situations that really causes us to go into a cave and not want to be bothered with anybody, not wanting anyone to um, say anything to us, don't do anything, um, uh, you know, and so... Uh, when you're in that cave, what happens is you're not living your life to your fullest potential. You're not living the best life that God has purposed for you to live. And so you struggle sometimes because you become used to the cave and you uh, become used to the surroundings in the cave. But interesting enough, as you're in that cave and you feel like you're protected, you feel like you're shielded from all uh, pains and hurts, one thing is sure about being in the cave, you know that you're in the cave. 
And when you're in that cave, you have your eyes wide open, but all you see is darkness. You don't see a clear picture about your life. You don't have a clear understanding about relationships. You don't have a clear understanding about, um, you know, how, uh, what are the healthy ways of loving, what are the healthy ways of, of relating. The only thing you know that you are in a dark place in your life. And you know you're in there, and you know you're in there by yourself. And at some point, unless you really succumb to that darkness, at some point there's something in you that says, I'm in this cave, but this is not where I want to be. I want to come out of the cave and live a fulfilling life. And in order to do that, you have to, um, again, to speak to your situation so that you can actually come out of it. And so this, we're going to walk through the steps on uh, becoming out of it. Now, when you're in the cave, what happens is, People around your life begin to see you, but they they only see the part that they only see what's reflected, or uh, let me say the effects of the cave. Well, they they don't see the real you. They don't see the uh, exciting, exuberant you. They don't see the person who was once loving and kind. All they see is the person who's hurting and pain, who's wearing their emotions on their sleeve. You know, they just see that person. They see the person and and, and like that, and then they resolve to describing you. Um, in terms such as, oh, she's hurting. She really went through in that last relationship. Or you, or they say something like, uh, man, um, um, uh, he, uh, that relationship really turned him around, man. I don't know what happened to him, man. That was just a bad ordeal right there. He hasn't come out of it yet, you know, or uh, or uh, the family will look and say, we don't know what's wrong with her. You know, we don't know why she's acting like that. You know, and so the cave allows you to be identified in your hurting uh, place and not in the place of life. It allows people to see you, and they describe you in your pain and not describe you in your purpose. And sometimes if you're not careful, what will happen with that is you uh, will become uh, accustomed to it, and then you'll start describing yourself um, uh, on it. You know, uh, there's somebody in the chat room that says they're not hearing or seeing anything. Um, Do you not hear me? On the internet at all? Uh, are we having technical difficulties again? Uh, do you hear me on the internet? I'm not. I'm not sure. I can hear it coming through my computer, but I, I don't. Okay. I, I'm. Okay. Somebody said they can hear fine. I'll keep going. Okay. All right. Great. Right. And so again, once you're in that cave, you know what happens is the cave causes you to become someone that God never intended. So until you come out of that cave, nothing really is going to happen for you. Nothing will change for you. You'll you'll sit in that dark place. You will wonder if your life could be different, but you'll never move out to see if your life can be different. Because the, sometimes when that when your emotions become a mountain in a life of pains and hurt, it becomes overwhelming, and it weighs you down in your spirit. And when your spirit man is weighed down, you feel sluggish, and you feel like you can't go any further, you can't do anything. And so what happens is you don't you feel like, or you think in your mind that you don't have the strength to come up from the per- the hurts and the pains that are weighing you down. And in a lot of cases, 
um, you really don't have the strength. You, you're going to need for God to pray. You're going to need to pray that God will send somebody into your life that can help bring you out of that cave. In, in verse uh, 49, it says that Jesus said um, to her, uh, let's go back, 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. And that's where your support um, system comes in. He was speaking to Lazarus' sister, he, and he, she, he said to her, take away the stone. And so you're going to need someone to come into your life, recognize what's going on with you, but it has to be people who don't mind helping to move the stone out of the way from your life. And the stone is representative of the wall that you've built up in your life. Because sometimes we become so hurt and we're so bruised and we're so battered from what people have put us through that we build a wall and we say nothing's coming in, nothing's going out. And unfortunately, the wall stops you from breaking free of the pain. It blocks the very thing that you need to actually come out of that situation or to come away from your past. And so he said to his, uh to Martha, take away the stone. And so we need to pray that God will send people into our lives that will help us to move the stone. In other words, they're willing to look at my situation, look at my life and say, I'm here to help you. I'm here to make sure that you come out of that cave and that you do better. The word says that two are better than one because when one falls, the other one is there to pick him up. And so what we need in our lives are picker-uppers, I call, are people who are willing to pick us up or to move that stone away, help us to break down that wall, give us the tools that we need to chisel away at that wall so that we will not block not only the flow of life, but we will not block the releasing of the hurt and pain so that we can be free in our lives. If As long as you keep the wall up, again, nothing comes in, nothing goes out. And that's where you become stuck in a rut. In your life, because there's nothing going on in your inner man, in your in your life that creates newness for you. You stay you stay wrapped up in the same old cycle over and over again, and so uh, you don't have the tools that you need to actually carve away, prick away, and to get rid of the things that hinder what you're doing. And so we need someone to come in and say, "Listen, I'm here to help you." You know, not people who are going to make excuses about why they can't help you. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to go through your own stuff and, you know, just work through it yourself. You do have to work through it, but you need the right tools to work through it. So if you don't have the right tools to work through it, then it's impossible for you to become successful. Because a lot of times when you're in pain, I mean, all you're thinking about is, number one, why you're hurting so badly, and if you're not careful, the enemy will get in and vengeance will come on your mind, and then you're trying to think of ways of how you can get that person back, whether it was from a romantic relationship, whether it was from a family situation, whether it was from a, a co-worker situation, whether it was from a friendship situation. If you're not careful, if the pain and hurt fester for too long in your spirit, man, you're going to become bitter. From bitterness, you're going to become angry, and from anger, you're going to become uh uh, conniving and cunning, and then you're going to start doing manipulative things and revengeful things towards that person or towards someone that reminds you of what that person did. It could be an innocent person. You're going to now have displaced anger. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're going to start taking that out on other people. And so you have to allow people to come into your life who can help you move beyond <clears throat> Excuse me, that point. And so 
What you need is someone who can take away the stone, and that is a support system. So the next thing that happened um, in this passage of Scripture in verse 40, it says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now you're going to have to start speaking um, to them so or speaking to the situation so that you can believe that change can come. See, now, you, now you're going to have to start doing something, okay? Your stone is being moved away or helped to be moved away by other people, but now you're going to have to change your conversation about um, what it is that you're going through. And a lot of times we don't, we, when people are talking to us, especially our support our system, they're trying to give us tools and strategies on how to move uh, beyond the hurts and pains of the past, and we're sitting there just reciting and uh, going back over the, the story over and over and over again. And then we say things like when they're trying to speak to us and give us the tools, we say things like, yeah, but let me tell you. Oh, you don't understand. Uh, but let me just say this, you know, and let me say this leads to um, uh, you repeating the story over and over and over again until your support system come, come, some, at times may become weakened because they feel like they're not getting through. And so you're going to have to get to the place, if you're trying to move beyond your past, where you can silence yourself for a moment and allow the help that God sends you to begin to speak into your life, to give you the tools. And part of that is giving you the right words or verbiage to use in conversations about what has happened to you. Because if you keep um, repeating the same old verbiage over and over again, well, you know, I never thought he would leave me. I dated him for four years. I thought we had a strong relationship. And out of nowhere, he just left me. And then your support system is saying, but you can make it. You know, you know, that's not the only person. There are other fish in the sea, so to speak. Or you can move beyond this. I know he hurt you. And then we turn around and say, but let me tell you what he did one time. One time, you know, I bought him a gift, and he didn't even say thank you. You know, or you're talking to him, and, and you know, he said, yeah, but you don't understand. I put my 110% into that marriage, and she still left, or she still doesn't appreciate me. You know, we have a, a, a way of just recycling the the, the uh painful conversation, I call it. It's the, the, the conversation that just recycles that pain over and, and over again, and we don't allow the people who've been sent to help us to actually help us change our conversation. And so we find ourselves repeating the cycle. Now, if you, if you have been blessed to um, get a support system like myself, I'm, I'm somebody who was you in the middle of that and say, you know, we talked about that once before. Now let's change the way you're describing your situation, and let, let's change how you're talking about this. And I want you to start talking about even though somebody wronged me, I'm still strong. Even though somebody has hurt me, I can become healed. Even though somebody um, betrayed me, I know that I'm still a loyal friend to other people. You know, you have to start speaking against that pain uh, to begin to feel your deliverance come, to begin to feel your freedom come, to begin to feel the change in your heart because our emotions are so powerful in our lives. You know, they can propel us to the next level or they can hinder us and keep us back at a place where we're stuck and we're not going very far in life. And so let's move on. Verse 41 talks about um, they took the stone away from that place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. Thank you that you heard me. And that's what you need. You need people in your lives who are praying that you get healed, who are praying for your deliverance, 
who are praying for your freedom from the, the, the uh, hurts and pains of the past. You need people who can actually pray you through and say, God, I thank you that I see change. I see change in her. I had to go through a whole lot of conversations with her, but I'm now seeing a breakthrough. I see change happening in her life. And that's, that's crucial because when I get excited about you moving past your hurt and your pain, then I become excited about what you're moving into. I'm excited that you're being delivered. I'm excited that you're being um, healed. And I'm not just excited about that. I'm excited about what that change is bringing to your life because if you receive it the way that it's intended for you, then you can go on and experience a much more healthier type of relationship. And you will learn something from these uh, sins, uh, these pains. You can learn some lessons from them, and you can begin to develop within yourself the strength and the knowledge that is needed to have healthy relationships, whether they're romantic, whether they are friendships, whether they are on the job, or whether they're actually with your family members. No matter which category you're, you're, you're struggling in, you can learn how to have, to recognize and have healthy relationships in each one of those, um, in each one of those areas. And so that's important, that somebody is actually uh, praying you through and knowing that they, and, and being able to recognize the change that, that they see God bringing into your life. And now we're going to, I'm going to skip to verse uh, 43 because I want to get to where you are active in this uh, loosening process where you're speaking to the mountain, where you at some point are going to speak to the mountains of pain. And in verse 43, um, it says, Now when he had said these things, he cried with, a loud, cried with a loud voice. And that's Jesus talking, saying, Lazarus, come forth. And if you really want to move past your hurts and pains, you have to be willing to hear God calling your name to come out of the cave. That's important. You have to hear the Spirit of God calling you by name, whatever your name is, John, Mary, Kizzy, whatever it is, calling you to say, come forth out of what has hindered you, what has kept you back, what has stopped you from loving, what has stopped you from relating. Come out of that cave because I have something more powerful that I want you to walk in, and that is freedom and the freedom of life. That is in the spirit of liberty. I want you to walk into a newness of life. I don't want you to be hindered by life. I want you to live life and live it more abundantly. I want you to be happy about meeting people, not second-guessing people when you meet them because you had a bad experience with Joe Below, not second-guessing friendships because Mary you off and she stole your idea and, you know, now you're mad and so you don't trust anybody. You know, no, I want you to come forth out of that cave because as long as you stay in that cave, the only thing that you see in that cave is darkness. And the only thing that you experience is not being able to see clearly the direction that your life should be going in. And so eventually in that cave, you're going to curl up in a knot, you're going to stay in there, and you're just going to conclude that this is all that, you know, this is it for me. You know, this must just be the hand I was dealt with, not realizing that you can really walk out the cave when your name is called. So when you hear God calling your name, it's time to pay attention because that means that he's getting ready to do something so supernatural, so profound, and so wonderful in your life that if you would just take a step of faith and come out of the cave, then that's where your journey for being loose will start. That's where you can let your path go because you can leave it back there in the cave or leave it near the cave and you can walk out. And so when Jesus called Lazarus forth, he came out. But interesting enough, it says um, in verse 46, 
that uh, when he came out, that a lot of people were around and they saw it. And um, interesting enough, he still had grave clothes on. So when God calls your name to come out and to move beyond your past, all you need to do is take a step of faith to move beyond your past. You still feel that hurt. You'll still feel the pains that um, were there. You'll still have on, as the scripture describes, as grave clothes. And it says that his face was wrapped in handkerchiefs, which is another type of clothing. You'll still be wrapped up in some of that. But as long as you walk out of that cave, then the loosening journey begins for you. If you stay in the cave, you'll stay wrapped up. It's when you come out when your name is called. When you have had enough of the cave, you will come out of the cave. And so when God called his name, he came out. And God told the people around him, take off those, take the grave clothes off him and loose him. So the support system that God sends into your life are the people who know how to peel back those layers of grave clothes that you have on. Those are the people that know how to walk know how to walk you out of the pain that you're experiencing or that you're feeling. Those are the people who have the tools that know how to help you peel back the layers that have caused you to become stuck in a rut of pain and hurt. Those are the people that God uses. And when all of those layers are off, that's when you have been loose. He used people to loose you from those grave clothes because as long as you have those grave clothes on. The only thing that happens, you come out the cave, but you're still wrapped up. You're still tied up in those clothes. And you're not in um, the cave, but you um, you can still um, you can still smell and feel um, the uh, the effects of the hurts and pain because they came out the cave with you. So the the most important thing is to let people who have been skilled to help you help you peel back, take off those grave clothes. So do whatever it is that you need to do. If you need to um, speak, with a, speak with a professional about it, then speak with a professional about it. Whatever it is that you need to do to get the tools to help take those clothes off, those grave clothes off, then do just that. Because unless you do that, you're going to stay there. And so sometimes um, in our life, we actually do have to, we actually have to let other people come into our space. You know, a lot of times when we get hurt and pain, uh, we're feeling hurts and pains. We say things like, you know, well, I don't want nobody all up in my business. You know, I don't want nobody uh, knowing, you know, what I'm going through. I'll just work this out myself. Well, if you could work it out yourself, you would never been in a cave. Because I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning and say, you know what, I think I just want to live in a cave. You know, if you could have worked it out yourself, you wouldn't be wrapped up in grave clothes. The mountain would not have gone from a molehill. The mount the molehill would not have become a mountain if you could have worked it out yourself. Because if you could have worked it out yourself, after that first or second episode, you would have figured out what to do to make sure the third one did not occur. So sometimes we are so caught up into what we're doing that we're not paying attention to our own lives. And so we have to allow people to come into our private space if we want to be healed, if we want to be delivered, if we want to be set free from some things, and if we want to um, experience change where there's liberty flowing in our being, then we have to let people come and invade our space. And we have to open up and some, not sometimes, all of the time, when people come to help you, it's about being genuine, it's about being honest, it's about being sincere, it's about saying, you know, exactly what happened, including your part in it. 
So if you were making unwise decisions in relationships, when you realize that you were doing that or, or if you know it, when your help comes, you have to be willing to say, I made some bad choices. I made some bad decisions in relationships. You know, I, I was playing around with relationships. You know, I did some things too, and, uh, you know, this is what happened. Or I, I was I was so needy that I didn't realize that I was clinging to the wrong type of person or, you know, um, I needed to be um, – I wanted to feel accepted so badly that I was willing, to, you know, to let anybody accept me, you know, regardless of their character, regardless of uh, their their uh, personality type. I, whoever accepted me, that's who I, you know, that's who I was with. And lo and behold, to my surprise, I got connected with the wrong person. And so sometimes we have to open up and say, you know, I became involved in, you know, uh, uh, and, and started, uh, I gave too much information too soon or, or I um, uh, got uh, intimately involved when I should when I shouldn't have, or I was buying gifts and I was you know um, uh, giving presents and you know I was taking care of other people's issues, trying to win their attention and their affection, and I still came up on the short end of the deal because I was not connected to the right person. And so when you're going through the healing process, you have to um, allow someone to help you, and you have to be willing to be open and honest about. Uh, what it is that you, what your part was uh, in that situation. So, uh, in that situation. So, we're going to talk about uh, what would cause some of the pains to pile up in our lives. And one of the main things that would cause, cause the pain to, uh, to mount up in our lives is sometimes we don't recognize the signs of fanatical type of love. That's what I call it, fanatical love. And that's that's that one-sided love That's that, or one-sided relationship, if you will. So, And we'll substitute that for whatever category you're falling into on, on this evening. So fanatical love is that one-sided love. It's that chasing someone who just drops you a crumb or a nugget every now and then. In other words, you're putting way more into the relationship than what you're getting out of the relationship. You put more into the friendship than what you're getting out. You're chasing the friendship, and the friendship is running from you. Okay, you're chasing the relationship, and the relationship is running from you. So every once in a while they drop you a nugget to keep you running behind them, but they never stop and turn around and run towards you. You know, it's uh, those family situations that are running from you and not running to embrace you. So that's what fanatical uh, love is. It's when it's one-sided and you're doing all of the, the the work in the relationship and basically you're chasing the relationship. That's when it becomes fanatical because sometimes in relationships, if you're doing more, you can come to a, a resolve where you can communicate and talk about what's going on and then change occurs because the other person may not have realized that they're not mutually involved in the relationship or mutually participating. But it's when you have to chase the relationship, that's when you're in trouble, when you're chasing it. And so um, some things about fanatical love is that, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what economic status you're in, what your gender is. If you chase it, it'll let you chase it. You know, if you're running behind it, it'll let you run behind it. You know, so um, uh, it, it doesn't really pick any particular person. It only um, uh, it, It's only concerned about the people who want to chase it, who want to run behind it. And so Usually what happens in those situations, in those fanatical-type situations, when the relationship ends, when it comes to a dissolution, a dissolution of some sort, what happens is it causes shame, guilt, and, um, and sometimes it causes your common sense to go out the window. Because in those relationships you find yourself doing things that are not common practice to your character. You find yourself doing things that are not becoming of you. You find yourself 
uh, doing things that are not uh, befitting uh, for who God has created you to be or who you have matured and grown into be. Sometimes you can uh, find yourself in situations that will make you revert back to what you once were instead of what you were to become, what you should, uh, who you should be becoming. And so, uh, to give you an example of that. It's like um, you know when the person does when the person doesn't respond to you, uh, you'll try to change yourself into who you think they want you to be because you're trying to figure out why is it that they're not coming towards you, they're going away from you. And so you will um, change yourself into who you think they are, who they think, who you think they want you to become. So if, they, if you think that they want you, want you to wear a certain type of clothing, then you'll go buy those clothes. If you think they want your hair a certain way, well, you'll go get your hair done that way. If you think she wants you to have... Uh, a certain amount of muscles where you'll go work out in the gym until you get the muscles. If she wants you to drive a certain kind of car, you'll go buy a car. If she wants you to have a certain type of job, then you'll start trying to uh, see if you can get employed in whatever uh, uh, job position that she thinks that uh, you ought to have. And so you try to accommodate, you start changing yourself to accommodate a person that's not even running towards you. Okay, another example is, you know, um, uh, what they'll do is they'll give you tips of time uh, with him or her with, so that it can make you happy. You know, in other words, okay, I spend Monday with you, but Tuesday through Friday I got something else to do. And so what I, what they'll do is they'll go out of their way and spend Monday with you, and they'll stay the, all, the whole day Monday with you. But when you call Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they don't have any time for you. And so... That's fanatical type of love. So I drop you a little bit to keep you hanging and to keep you on, to keep you on because you know what? You're convenient for me. And so when you do that, they come on Monday. They don't come again. You start feeling uh, rejected. You start feeling hurt. And then you start thinking about, wow, did that person just make a fool out of me? You know, um, he was here Monday, but now he doesn't have time to be bothered. Did Did she play me? You know, you start all sorts of things go through your mind once the person does whatever he or she does, okay, and then your self-esteem crumbles until you finally realize that you've wasted months, years, and 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 years in just some craziness that you call the relationship, that you call the friendship. You know, it's just it just goes on and on and on until you wake up one day and say, you know what, I've just been crazy about this thing. This is not healthy for me to be in this situation. And so let me uh, give you some signs of fanatical-type love. You know, uh, you'll know when it's fanatical, number one, you feel desperate for his or her love. You can't do without it, you know. You just go way out of your way for it. You you must have his or her love. You don't care who else comes into the, to your life who shows up on the scene. It doesn't matter um, how healthy he or she is, the kind of attention that they're showing you, the healthiness, they're polite, they're kind. No, the only person you want is the one person that's not giving you the attention. The one person that you're chasing who's not turning around, um, running your way, you just want that one particular person, okay? You make all the plans in the relationship. You call most of the time. You pay and buy all of the presents. You hardly ever get anything done towards your life. You know, you do everything. You make every call in the relationship. And then sometimes when you make those calls, that person says, you know, I was just about to call you. Or, you know, I was thinking about you. I'm glad you called me. And so then you forget that, well, you know, I call you all the time. But when he or she says, you know what, I was just about to call you. You know, um, I was thinking about you. All of a sudden you think now you're important to him. You're important to her. 
and really what they're doing is they're just they're just baiting you in even more. You know, okay, don't ask me why I haven't called you in the last week. Just take what I'm saying right now is that I was thinking about you 15 minutes ago and, oh, wow, you called, you know. And so you have to recognize those fanatical type things, you know. Um, you pour yourself out into helping him or her succeed and even to the point of ignoring your own life. You know it's fanatical when you let your own life go down the tube. And that person, for example, they're trying to start a business. And you forgot all about your career. You forgot about your own dreams. You forgot about the ideas that you had. You forgot about everything. And you have now put 110% in trying to get that person's business off the ground. You're doing more than the person who wants to start the business. You're making the phone calls. You're placing the orders. You're building the website. You're building the Facebook page. You're doing the Twitter page. You're doing everything. And they're sitting back, oh, I'm so glad you're in my life. Oh, thank you for helping me. You're just such a nice person. That's why I'm I'm involved with you because, you know, know, this is a great connection right here. And before you know it, you have exhausted 110% energy into somebody else's life and somebody else's project. And then when you look back, because when they get the business up and running, now they don't have time for you. Now you feel like, like we maybe have all experienced one time, like I just been had, you know, so did I just get used here? Did he just, did he just use me to, to, to start his business and, and now he doesn't want to be bothered? You know, what just happened here? You know, and it's too late at that point because, you, I mean, you know, now I can go take the Facebook page down. You know, so you've, you've, you've done all of that and you're getting nothing in return. Um, another one is to pretend suicide. You know it's fanatical when you, when you threaten to kill your own life. You know you're not going to do it, but you pretend like you're going to commit suicide so they can come over to your house that night, you know. So you say, I don't know what I would do without you. You know, um, I really wish you would come over because I'm just, I'm not feeling good right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might hurt myself. And because nobody wants to hear about another person committing suicide, then that person comes over. Okay, but as soon as they figure out that, no, well, this wasn't really no real suicide attempt. This is just a way to get me over here. Then the next time you do it, they don't respond as quickly. So you know it's fanatical when you will pretend like you're going to take your own life just so it's thought that you can be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in the relationship with you. And so now you've piled more into on onto that mountain of pain because you went to the extreme and it still didn't work. You went to the extreme and he still didn't call the next day. You know, he came that night when you when you pretended suicide, but he 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 did not show up the next day. Okay, so that's one of them. And then also spying on the person's apartment or, or home late at night. You know, you get your girlfriend or get you one of your buddies. You know, or sometimes you're bold enough to go by yourself. And you get in the car and you drive over there because you want to see if they got anybody else, another car parked out there, or if you can see through the, the the window in the apartment on the second level, you can see if you can see two people or one person walking around. You know, we do you do crazy things, and as a result of that, you now have a lot of hurt and pain, and it builds up and it begins to make your past a little bit more difficult than it needs to be, all because you engaged in some things that were un healthy uh, for you. And so um, then sometimes the last one is that you'll resort to doing um, something to make that person jealous, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You put an innocent per- another person in the picture who doesn't even have a clue what you're trying to do, and then you try to make them jealous because they're like, oh, well, this person interested in me even if you're not. And what's really painful behind that is when the person does not care 
that you have met someone else and the rejection is just that much more painful. Because, again, you've gone out of your way trying to get their attention, and now he is saying or she is saying, so what? Okay, go be with him. Go be with her. As a matter of fact, I really want you to do that. And so the rejection is just that more painful because you've gone out of your way and it didn't work. That's fanatical love. It's when you come out of who you were created to be to do something that you would not normally do to try to get attention from somebody else that doesn't want to uh, give you uh, the attention. So let me read a a passage of scripture to you that sets it up for how we're going to actually now begin to speak to the mountain. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19 says this, Forget the formal things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Am I making? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God wants to do a new thing in your life. He doesn't want you to linger in the past, constantly remind yourself of what happened to you, remind yourself of the pain that you're going through. He wants you to do. He wants to do a new thing in your life, but. Sometimes we allow ourselves to stay um, so caught up in our past that we can't even recognize when God wants to do um, a new thing. So how do we speak to the mountains of our past? How do we ask that mountain to move and get out of the way uh, so that we can go on um, with our lives? In the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, you may may know the passage of Scripture where it talks about, you know, uh, if you uh, say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart if you believe it, the things that you say, you know, that you should have whatsoever things that you ask. If you pray be- without doubting, God is going to do it for you. And so that we're going to walk through those steps of how you actually speak to the mountain and ask it to actually leave your life so that you can go on with, uh, and live the more fulfilled life that God intended. Verse 23 of that passage says, But surely I say to you, whoever says, to this mountain, and what that means is you now have to speak to the mountain, and the reason why you have to speak to the mountain is because, number one, remember, you're no longer in the cave. You've come out of the cave. The grave clothes have been taken off of you. You're no longer walking uh, um, with the grave clothes wrapped around you. You're now at a place. You've been loose. You now have the mobility, if you will, to be able to speak. See, as long as you were wrapped in grave clothes and your face was wrapped all up, you couldn't talk. or you could, but you weren't saying the right things, you couldn't feel anything, you couldn't move, your hands were bound, you couldn't do the right thing, your feet were bound, you couldn't actually, you know, you weren't headed in the right direction, but once you got free from the grave clothes, now you are in a place where you can actually do something about what happened to you. And so now you can speak because your mouth is no longer covered. Or in other words, I put it like this. You're now, you have the tools you need to say to the mountain, you must go. To say to the pain, you have to leave. To say to the hurt, you have to leave because it is my desire to be free, my desire to experience liberty, my desire to be whole and well in my inner man, in my spirit being. I desire to be strong. So you now have the ability to speak uh to the mountain. Your words have power in them, or words, I should say, have power. You know, when we were growing up, you probably are on the playground or in your neighborhood with your friends, you know, when they said other things to you, that was a saying that people had, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. 
you know, that's what we said to kind of like, you know, as kids, to try to make it seem like that ugly thing they just said really didn't hurt. And um, But basically, you know, it did, but that was just our coping mechanism um, at that particular time. And so, but when you hear, uh, when you think about that, you know that that's not true. Sticks and stones will hurt you, and so will words. Words will also hurt you. There's power of life and death in the tongue. And so you can continue to speak pain over your life, and, and you can repeat the cycle of talking about what you've been through, or when you get set free, you can now speak the words that says, you know, I'm strong, I'm confident, I'm more than a conqueror. Uh, you know, uh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can, I'm victorious. I can make it through this. I am better than a pain or better than a hurt. You have to now change um, what you say, and you have to realize and believe you have the right words and the power in your words to speak to the mountain to tell it to get out of your way because it has hindered you for a period of time. And so words have power, and every day we talk to ourselves. And I'm not talking about the things that you think. You know, we talk to ourselves every day, you know, whether we're saying something positive to ourselves or whether we're saying something negative to ourselves, you know, you know, because if you've been to a bad situation or a bad relationship, you can find yourself at times saying something like, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, saying something like, I don't know how I could be so stupid or I don't know how I could have been so stupid or, you know, wow, I don't know how I didn't see that coming. How did she get over on me like that? I had, You know, I thought I was paying attention, you know, or you'll say, you know, my friends are trying to tell me. They told me she wasn't any good, and I, you know, I never thought anybody who, you know, she appeared to be so nice and sweet, and well, she was so pretty, and I never thought she would do that. Or, you know, wow, you know, when I first met him, he was, you know, he was talking nice to me. He was real nice. He was kind, and he was calling all the time, and he would do things for me. He would help me with my car, and I never thought in a million years. I don't know why I didn't see that coming, and we start beating ourselves up about the pain that other people inflicted upon us instead of realizing that it's in their character. And so you have to start speaking to the mountain, tell it to get out of the way and say, you know, this does not belong to me. This is a, um, the effect or affect of something that was done to me. But you know what? It doesn't belong to me. You know, I'm not conniving. I am not cunning. I am not deceitful. I am not trick, uh, a, a trickery-type person. So those are the, the, the things that were used against me to, help, to cause me to feel this way. This doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the person who did it to me. And so I'm speaking to the mountain so the mountain can get out of my way now. It can go wherever it wants to go to, to, to be dismantled, but it can't stay here, okay? It can't stay in my life because I don't take ownership of another person's wickedness towards me, I'm not going to take ownership of that. I may feel the hurt and pain of it, but it won't reside here. It won't stay here. You know, um, I'll recognize what it is, and I'll, and I'll seek the help that I need to seek to move beyond it. But when I'm empowered to speak to it, I'll speak to the mountain and say, you have to go because this is not the place that you are to reside. You are not to be here. And so you speak to it. So your words have um, empowered to them. Uh, Proverbs 18 and 20 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you understand that you can speak into existence so the, or frame your life with the words that you use about your life. Uh, some people call them affirmations. You know, uh, we call them confirmations. You know, you have to align your, get your faith 
in agreement to the word of God. You have to find those scriptures in the word of God that with, uh, with the words that describe the kind of person that you desire to be, the words that talk about, the scriptures that talk about healing, and you're going to have to start speaking them out loud over your own life so that you can realize that you have the power to frame your life and not the words of someone else or the actions of other people uh, towards you that were causing you hurt and pain. So you have to realize how powerful um, your words are. Your words can change your environment. And what I mean by that in the atmosphere, the word, your words that you speak, if you speak negative about yourself, the atmosphere will be gloomy around you. If you don't believe me, ask somebody who, who um, knows what you're going through right now or if you've been through it and they honestly will be honest with you, Ask them, what was the atmosphere like when you came around me? And they may say something like, it was always so sad being around you, or it was always so negative. You know, everything you said was negative. It was, uh, and we knew, we knew it was coming from that bad relationship, but wow, every time we came around you, it was something negative on your tongue or something negative. You know, it could have been something on TV. Girl, you made negative comments about everything. So if you want to change the atmosphere around your life, now start speaking positive things about yourself. Start think, uh, think, uh, speaking positive things about um, your life, about relationships. You're going to need some help with that. You have to change your thinking. Your mindset has to change. You have to increase your knowledge. You have to go and acquire better knowledge, uh, more powerful knowledge about relationships, how to get along with people, how to, uh, with the thing, how to um, have self-confidence. You have to empower yourself through your mind, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, which is a word synonymous with mind, so is he. So if you're going to speak to the mountain and change the atmosphere of your life, you're going to have to um, uh, frame your mind with some powerful words where it can, that can come out on your tongue so that you can now change the atmosphere of your life. The Word of God also says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is on the inside of your emotions, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. And so if you're moving past and want to be, you want to speak to that mountain and say, let me go, then you have to have the words, you have to have the words in your heart and in your mind that, has a, that will have enough power behind them so the mountain can move. So you can't say to the mountain, um, do you think uh, you could leave today? Because I'm getting a little tired of you. You know, that's kind of wimpy. The mountain is not moving. With that, or you can't say, you know, um, I really wish you wouldn't have hurt me because see, when you said that, you just really hurt my feelings, and you know, I don't know uh, how I'm gonna move past this. I just really wish you hadn't done it because now, no, that's wimpy. You cannot move a mountain with that. You have to move a mountain with authority. You have to know that you have been equipped with and given the power to speak to that mountain. You have to look at the mountain and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me I shall condemn because I think that's my inheritance. I have the power to speak to the mountain and ask it to, to leave. And so when you speak with authority over your own life, you begin to build your self-esteem. You begin to regain your self-worth. You begin to empower yourself to feel your inner man strengthening. And so when the next person comes along that tries to um, infiltrate your life with the same old garbage from before, you now have the ammunition that you need where you can say, stop. You can't go any further. I've been down this road, not going it again. I'm sorry, I can't deal with you. You are not 
the type of person that I want to be involved with. But you need some courage to be able to do that because a lot of times because uh, we feel um, the pains of rejection when people, you know, I'm going to use the word dump, or when people break our hearts, they let us go, they break off relationships, they tell us they don't want to be friends with us anymore, they don't want to be bothered, whatever terminology they use, the rejection sometimes is, is painful and it's extremely overwhelming for some people. They just really have a hard time with rejection. And so in order for you to move beyond that fear barrier of being rejected, you're going to have to step out by faith and muster up some strength. You only need one step to move against that barrier. And you have to take that step and say, no more, no longer. And take that step and say, God, I'm going to take this step of faith, and I just need you to help me. Just send me the tools that I need. Send the people into my life that's going to help me. But for me to even get to a place where they want to help me, I have to speak to the mountain, take a step of faith, and step out beyond what now has become a comfort zone and step into the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who I'm going to meet. I don't know if I'm going to meet anybody else ever again. You know you will. But right now, you just want to be healed, and you just want the past um, to let the past, want the past to leave that's causing the hurt and pain. And so you have to now begin to do some self-talk. You know, again, we're, still, we're going to focus on the words and speaking to the mountain. You have to um, make your self-talk so much stronger. You know, you've got to talk to yourself every day with positive uh, wording, uh, positive affirmations, not the negative talk. When the negative, when you have those negative uh, memories and thoughts that come into your mind, you have to use your voice to speak to those negative thoughts. When that, when that thought enters into your mind, I was just so stupid. I don't know why I was so stupid. Before you say it out loud, you have to begin to speak uh, against that negative thought and say, I'm becoming more wise. I'm becoming more knowledgeable. Don't speak the negative out. Speak the positive out so that your thought life can change. You want to cast down those vain imaginations and those thoughts that are trying to exalt themselves above what God wants to do in your life. So the cycle is going to try to repeat itself. It's up to you to stop the cycle. It's up to you to speak to the mountain and say, be gone. And so you have to make sure that you challenge the negative messages that the past is trying to bring up um, in your life. So you've got to begin to recognize and notice when you're saying negative things, you know, um, uh, when you say something, I just can't do anything right, or I messed that up, you've got to catch yourself. And then you have to challenge yourself to stop saying those things. You have to replace the negative messages with positive messages. That's the only way that's going to work, and that's going to happen over time. So don't beat yourself up. Take it one step at a time, one day at a time, whatever is the best route for you to get to where you need to be, uh, to a place of wholeness and to a place of healing. And so it's going to take um, some practice by faith because you're not used to doing it or you stop doing it at some point. But now you have to really challenge yourself and you have to um, push yourself to actually do it. You know, because a bad relationship can get you to a place where you feel like you just can not function. And if you stay there, you won't function. But if you muster up any little strength that you have, the Word of God said you only need the faith the size of a mustard seed. And that's all you need. God, if I could just find just the the faith of a mustard seed, the strength, I I know just that little bit of strength, that little bit of faith can, can, can lift me to the place where I can walk past 
my past. I can actually walk away from it, and I can press on in life to some greater things in life, and that's what you want to do. So to uh, go on, uh, you speak to the mountain. If you keep reading that passage of Scripture, it says that you must believe without doubting. And so in other words, you have to believe that change is going to occur in your life. I don't care how bad the situation was. I don't care how painful um, the effects of it are in your life. You have to believe in change. If you don't believe that you can change, you will find yourself in the same rut. So you have to believe in change. And what that um, involves is some action, okay? You now have to take the necessary steps for change to occur. And one of the first things that you have to do is to recognize that change needs to occur in your life. There needs to be change here. God, I'm not I'm not doing well in this place right here. I'm not I'm not doing good here. I keep connecting to the wrong people. I keep repeating the um same bad relationship cycle. I keep uh getting the wrong type of friendship. I'm not doing good and in the area of relationships. Something has to change. And I'm sure you may have found yourself over the course of your life uh, at one point where you became so exhausted, so tired, so sluggish, so worn out from um, unfortunate type relationships that you actually made the comment uh, uh, similar to something has to change. I don't know what I'm going to do, but something has to change. I need a breakthrough. I need something to happen. So when you get to that place, then you are ready to take the action step. Sometimes we don't know what to do, but just acknowledging that change must occur, that's the first thing that we should do. And then the second thing is that you do in that is that you have to turn around and do something different. So um, uh, the best way I can say that is I'm going to use the word repent. And what that means is is that you turn around and you go away from the direction or the the thing that was causing you to do something that was not becoming to um, your life to the word of, against the word of God. You now have to turn around and go another direction, away from what was hindering you. So when change is needed in your life, you have to make that change, that decision to turn away from the thing that caused the pain. So. For some of you, that's going to be going on a relationship fast, you know, a friendship fast, you know. Um, it's going to mean uh, if, if you can, possibly you have to go on a, a family fast. In other words, you're going to have to spend some time away from those types of things. Let's start with the relationship fast. You know, that means, that, okay, no more dating. If you're single, no dating, no making no phone calls, no winks. You know, no flirtations, nothing. You know, no trying to get hooked up with somebody, no introductions. You know, no going on the social pages, seeing if you could meet somebody new. It means no relationships for a period of time until yourself um, together. That's what it means. I don't date. I don't call. I don't do anything. I just pull back and work on me. If it's a friendship fast, it's similar. It's the same similar thing. You may have to say to your friends, "I have to go on a fast right now because everything is in disarray. It's out of order. So I have to pull back and pull away from my friendships right now." And I promise you, if you do that relationship fast, if you do that friendship fast, and you actually seek the face of God for direction, you come off of that top period of fasting. You're going to find out that there are going to be some people that's going to drop off 
without you even doing anything, without you saying anything to them. They're just going to drop off. They're going to disconnect on their own. Then if, if you go on a relationship fast and, and you do what you need to do to get yourself together, you're going to find out that in that period of fasting, you became empowered and you became more knowledgeable of how to have healthy relationships. So if, if you're someone who's going to do the relationship fast, you pull away from the relationship, but during the time of fasting, you have to um, empower yourself with the knowledge on how to have healthy relationships. So you, when you turn away from the bad relationships, you now have to move toward the things, that's going to, things that are going to equip you to um, have healthy and wholesome uh, relationships. Uh, in your life. So that's the time when you pull away from what we're used to doing in relationships, and now you are pulling away to actually go learn about yourself, learn more about yourself, let the change occur, but at the same time you're learning about how to relate to other people, dealing with those insecurities, dealing with the things that um, cause you to become attached to the wrong person, the neediness or whatever it might be. That's the time when you deal with that, okay? Um, the family fast, sometimes it's kind of hard to do that, you know, um, especially if it's a marital situation or a situation with, with a husband, wife, and children, you know. But you could do it. You might just pull away from, for a day. You know, when everybody's out the house, you might just say, okay, everybody's gone. Let me do my fast today. And you could actually begin to go into meditation, uh, spend some time in prayer, and actually begin to seek the face of God of how um, – you can make your family stronger or how you can make it more healthy, you know, or how you can actually become a stronger person so that you can actually be a part of the the, the healthy part of the unit if, if, if that is the case, you know, or come to some decisions that need to make, you know, clear your mind so you can make the right decisions and not making the decisions off your emotions, but you're making making decisions off of the, the actual truth of what's going on. And if, it, if it's extended family, like cousins and aunts and uncles and all those kind of folks, well, yeah, you can do the fast from them. You know, you can actually pull away for a minute from them because sometimes, you know, we like to think, you know, when it comes to the family thing that, you know, well, we're family, so whatever's go, whatever happened goes. You still have to set boundaries around your life, you know. You still have to set boundaries around your life even with family members. And that's important because, man, we family, we family. Why you ought to forgive me and just forget, man? Well, you can forgive them, but sometimes, depending on what has been done, it's hard to forget. And so my philosophy for for forgive and forget is this. When you forgive a person, what you're doing in that forgiveness is that, number one, you're freeing yourself, and number two, you're no longer um, holding them indebted to you for what they've done. And so... If the person wants you to forgive and forget, you can possibly explain it to them like this. I'm not going to forget what happened, but I will forgive and forget as it relates to remembering that you are trying to bring up the indebtedness again. If I say I forgive you and that you no longer owe me anything for that pain, then what I'm going to forget is that you owe me. It's hard to forget some memories. And so a lot of times you hear people, wow, I can't forget, I can remember, I forgive, but I don't forget. Well, let's make it easy for you. The forgetting part, incorporating the forgetting part, not the lack of memory or losing the memory of the action, but um, forgetting that the person owes you anything because of what they've done to you. Because when you forgive, if you don't release the debt, what happens is when the pain surfaces back in your life again, 
you will be reminded about what they did to you, and then you'll be thinking to yourself, you owe me because you put me through something. And before you know it, now you're retaliating or um, uh, coming up with ways that they can uh, pay you back for what they've done to you. So if you really want to be free, the most important part of that forgiveness is they're, they're no longer indebted to you. They don't owe you anything because of what they've done to you. And that's how you free yourself. When you feel like you owe something, it's when the weight becomes heavy. When you feel like you at least ought to apologize to me, you know, that's when the weight of the past is, or the um, the hurt from it is really painful, especially if they didn't show any remorse, if they didn't ever make an apology, if they never uh, uh, admitted that they were wrong. If what will happen is when that will surface back up and you will become even more angry when you see them, especially if they do something else. So you've got to free yourself by saying, when I forgive and forget, all this goes together, I forgive you, you don't owe, you're not indebted to me, and what I'm going to forget is that you owe me for what you've done, for what you because of what you've done to me. That's to forget, you know, you're no longer indebted to me. The only person that can forgive and forget, like completely wipe it out of their minds and never to bring it up again is God. And we as human beings, we're going to bring it up or it's going to surface or we're going to remember it, you know. So we're not going to forget it completely, but we can be released from it by, uh, through forgiveness. And that's what's very important. And so when uh, when you're getting ready for change, um, remember a part of that is turning away from it, never looking back to it again, you know, no retaliation, no revenge, uh, no trickery, no uh, sarcastic remarks at, at, at the, you know, at, at the right moment, no, no, um, no subtle sarcastic remarks, no, no hit and run things. You know, you say something and walk off. You don't know when you when you really want to see change. Forgive, let it go, and move on with your life. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to talk to you about uh, when speaking to the mountain is um, actually uh, becoming empowered to take action. Because once the mountain is gone and it's out of your way, when, when, when God is setting you free and delivering you and healing you from those hurts and pains, you will have to do something to maintain your freedom, to maintain your healing, to maintain your joy, to maintain your peace. You're going to have to take some action uh, uh, to, to maintain that because if you don't, what will happen is you'll find yourself back in a rut again because as long as you don't stay empowered, then eventually your energy is going to run out and you're going to be back in the rut again. And so the first thing is you want to be sure that you understand that your life is headed in the right direction right now. You know, when you become empowered, you say, you know, the reason why I wasn't headed in the right direction or the reason why I couldn't come out of that cave or I couldn't get past this rut is because I was hesitating to make the necessary change in my life. And I was hesitating because the pain was so bad that I felt like, you know, I was trying to figure out how to, you know, get get this person back or, you know, um, why did they do this? I spent too much time on the why, the why you did this to me instead of spending more time on uh, you did it to me, but now it's time for me to get up from it and move on with my life. And so you have to decide to take action, and you do that by saying, you know, I was stuck in the rut because I didn't take action. So now I'm, if I'm going to be empowered, 
and now I have to step up to the plate and say I'm ready to step out to take the action. And then you have to decide on what action do you want to take to get this thing going where you can actually maintain your wholeness. You know, what is it that I need to do? Do I need to... Um, do I need to pamper myself? Do I need a day at the spa? You know, do I need to um, go to the gym? And, you know, if I'm a guy, do I need to burn off this steam right quick? You know, what is it that I need to do? Do I need to buy myself something nice to say, good way to go, girl, or way to go, man? Do I need to buy myself something that I could put in front of me that says, this reminds me that I'm headed for change. This reminds me that I'm empowered to take action to live a better life, to move past this this mountain? Do I need to do something for myself? What is it that I need to do to get the ball rolling for me to take action? Because until you take an empowerment step, you will not take any step at all, or you will take a backward step. You will find yourself going backwards instead of moving forward. So you have to decide. Only you can decide what are the necessary steps that um, you want to take um, for this. And then once you decided on your action step, you have to push yourself to take it no matter what. Whatever that step is, don't let it fall by the wayside. Don't put it off for next week sometime. You have to make a decision that I'm going to actually take this step, okay? And then once you've done that, you go back and you find something, another step to take, and you repeat the cycle until you're stronger, until you're healthier, until you're um, more peaceful in your life, until you no longer feel the residue or the, the pricks of all of those pains and hurts from uh, the past that was hindering you from moving forward in life. When people can tell you, oh, wow, I see the change in you. I love it. I love it. You're such a, a pleasant person. That's what we remember. When you start getting those compliments and when you start having people recognize and saying to you, man, we, <laughs> I thought you were never going to come out of that rut, you know, and uh, it's so good to have the real you back, you know, that's when you can get even more excited because people see the change. That means that you have you, – you're you're speaking over your life, the atmosphere is changing, the climate of your life is changing, and now it's manifesting itself in such a way that people recognize that there has been change in your life. And so those are the things that you, the steps that you need to take and actually to speak to the mountain, to actually to, to get the mountain to move out of your way so that you can be empowered to take the first step to initially move past um, the hurts and pains. And so that is the uh, the thing that I wanted to teach you on tonight. And so if you, what we're going to do at this time, if you have a question or a comment, um, if you're in the chat room, you can make your comment. You can put it on the board and I'll read it. If you're uh, listening by phone, if you just press the number one, I'll know that you have a comment or if you have a question. And then we can actually um, bring you on live and you can um, make your comment or, your que- uh, or ask your question. So if you have a comment or if you have a question, just press the number one, and then um, I'll know who you are. And so until you decide on that, I'll, I'll just say this on tomorrow night, we're going to be dealing with the baggage, and we're going to be talking about personal belongings. And what that uh, lesson is about, you know, teaching is about, is sometimes what happens is we allow um, some of our personal belongings to get packed away in the baggage with the hurts and the pains. And what I mean by personal belongings is sometimes bits and pieces of the real you get packed away in the suitcase with, uh, with the with the pains and hurts. 
And so the reason you don't want to let the baggage go is because some of you, uh, some of you, some parts of you are in the baggage. And so your self-esteem is in the baggage. Your self-confidence, a part of that is in the baggage. Your self-worth is packed in the, in the suitcase with the baggage. And so I'm going to talk to you on tomorrow night about how to unpack the baggage and only take out of the baggage what rightly belongs to you. That's your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence, you know, um, uh, those types of things, those personal qualities that are uh, those personal qualities of your life that other people ought to be freely enjoying when they meet you or encounter you, they can't because it's packed away. So the only thing they get is the uh, the aftermath of the pain. And so you know that you're capable of being confident and you know that you're capable of being a pleasant person and a nice person, but you're not because it's packed away in the luggage and you refuse to let the luggage go because a part of you, you feel like you have a right to that luggage because of what happened to you. I have a right to feel this pain. You know, I have a right to act like this because if this, if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't be acting like this. And so uh, on tomorrow night, we're going to talk about how to unpack the luggage. But when you unpack it, only take the things that rightly belo- that rightly uh, belong to you, and that's the parts of your being that got packed away that stops you from living a flowing and fulfilling life. And so if there are no questions and no comments, uh, we're going to close out in prayer, and then I ask you and invite you to join me on tomorrow night. I pray that the technical difficulties will be fixed. I apologize to you once again for those technical difficulties, but we'll have those worked out um, by tomorrow night. On tomorrow night, um, the the, uh, the show is 7 p.m. and not 9. So Tuesday, May the 3rd, is 7 p.m. and I'll post it. But it's 7 p.m. tomorrow night instead of 9. So if there are no comments or questions, um, I'm going to close out in prayer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you all this evening. We bless your name, O oh God, and we thank you, Lord God, that you, devi- that you desire change in our lives. We come against every hurt and pain that's been lingering, Father God, that's been uh, just sitting in our lives and causing us to not live healthy and abundant lives, but causing us to live lives that reflect hurt and pain and causing us to be bitter and, and mad and angry and spiteful sometimes towards other people because of things that were done to us. We speak to the mountain on tonight, be gone in the name of Jesus, and we call forth empowerment, we call forth confidence, we call forth our self-worth and self-appreciation. We are more than conquerors, and we do have the victory in Christ Jesus. We know that we're capable of being whole and whole and wholesome and healthy in relationship, and we thank you for that right now. Father, as we go from this line, I pray that you would be with us on this evening. Watch over us through the night. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking with you on tomorrow evening. God bless you. Thank you so much. This is Minister Ginger London. Good night.